All right. Well, we did it again. We brought more seats, and um, I don't see anyone on the floor. So that's a great, great sign. Just to uh, update you, we are still looking for a new space, so I would just ask that you guys would continue to pray. We have may, uh, taken steps in the right direction this week, but we still need a lot of things to fall in place. And so if you guys could pray, pray, pray that the Lord would give us uh, just a new space that would increase our capacity. I truly believe this, that if we could get in a space where uh, there was a greater capacity. Uh, right now, I think our capacity is kind of our lid. And man, I truly believe that if we could get more capacity, the Lord would fill it, fill it up, and we would just continue to see people uh, come to know Him. We would continue to see people get plugged in. And so we're super excited for what God's going to do, but we're going to trust Him uh, in whatever circumstance it is, just like we just sang. So super excited for that. If y'all could continue to pray along with us. Well, we are in a new sermon series that we're calling Bait and Switch. I introduced it to you last week, uh, talked to you about how really what we're going to do over uh, this week, last week, this week, and next week is we're looking at some, some lures, some baits that the enemy will use in your stage of life to, to, try to, uh, to try to trick you, to try to get you to take advantage of something that is counterfeit, that, that never is going to satisfy you. Last week we talked about busyness, and tonight we have something else uh, that I'm really excited to, to share with you, uh, but I want to set it up for you in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. So um, I need to introduce you all to someone, someone very special. Uh, and so if you guys could turn your attention to these screens, I need to introduce you to this guy right here. All right. That is Chris. You heard me right. Chris the sheep. That is his name. Chris is an Australian sheep. So um, you notice he doesn't quite look like the, the sheep that you picture frolicking on a farm. Uh, Chris has gone through some stuff. Um, he's never been cold in his life. What happened here is uh, Chris somehow broke loose of wherever he was, he was kept, and he spent about five years on his own. Five years just doing life his own way, um, just, you know, going and frolicking through fields while no one took care of him. And when you're a sheep and you do that, this is what happens. Because many people don't know this, and uh, for most sheep, their wool it never stops growing. And so uh, what you see here is uh, the, the, uh, the result of a sheep that has no shepherd. The result of a sheep who has been doing life on his own for five years. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, um, but he can't see. Um, that is called wool blindness. It's like a real thing. Um, I guess that's where like pull the wool over your eyes came from, but who knows? Um, he really, if you're struggling, I don't want to walk in front of the speaker, but if you're struggling to see where Chris is under there, his little nose is sticking out of the front of that giant mass of wool. So 90 pounds of wool was cut off of Chris, 90 pounds of wool, enough to make 20 men's suits. Kind of crazy. And what takes place is, you know, when, when this wool gets sheared off, you know, obviously there's insects and, and sticks and, and things like that that get trapped in his wool. And then uh, he, he, uh, is, he has a lot of recovery to do to get him back to the place that, that he needs to be. Now, I do have bad news. Chris is no longer with us. I learned that earlier. 
straight up had been planning on showing you Chris, um, and for some reason I pulled up the article where I learned about him, I learned he's dead. Uh, he died four years ago, um, and I will have you know the article said his death was unexpected, but he died at a ripe old age of 10. So, praise the Lord. I, sh- I-, I want to share that with you, and I-, I show you that today because I want you to realize that sheep can't live without a shepherd. Sheep cannot live without a shepherd. And uh, we're going to look at a passage today uh, by, that was written by a man named King David. Uh, King David, uh, he-, he wrote a, a good portion of uh, the, the Old Testament, which we'll jump into a little bit here today, but I, I just want to tell you from the get-go that in this passage that we're going to look at, David's point is very clear. Uh, his point is very clear, and his point might offend some of you, uh, but his point is this, that you and I are sheep. You and I are sheep. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 23, very famous psalm. And uh, as you're turning there, I want you, to, uh, I want you to realize this, that while it might not seem flattering, uh, it, it's actually a really incredible thing that David says this about us. Because our role as a sheep is actually one of the most freeing things about our relationship with Christ that you can ever come uh, to grasp. The truth of Psalm 23 speaks directly in to what I believe to be the most up-and-coming sin issue in our world today, and that is the sin of anxiety and worry and fear. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today, another one of those those lures, uh, pieces of bait that the enemy will use to try to draw you in for counterfeit satisfaction. And so we're looking today at anxiety and worry and fear. And uh, before I go anywhere with this, let me just say that there are most definitely people who struggle with real physical issues uh, related to anxiety and worry and fear. And um, I, I don't want to minimize those in, in any way. But, and I will tell you this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not here to diagnose you. Uh, but what I, I will say is this, that in today's culture there is a tendency to start trying to solve um, spiritual problems with physical remedies. And please don't hear me say that there are not true physical uh, cases of anxiety and depression and all of these different things. Don't hear me say that, that none of that is true. It, it, I firmly believe that it is. But what I do believe is that a lot of times we jump to the physical when what we're really dealing with, with is something that's spiritual. And uh, something that I've noticed is that anxiety and fear have almost become the acceptable spiritual struggle in in our culture today. Despite the fact uh, that all throughout the Bible, there's this thread where we are directly commanded not to fall into anxiety and worry and fear. I mean, in the Old Testament, the Lord over and over and over again commands the Israelites, don't fear, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Uh, Jesus teaches specifically in the New Testament about uh, this topic of anxiety and worry and fear. He he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Paul writes about anxiety in his letters to to the churches. Like It is a common thread throughout the Bible, but it has somehow in today's society become like this acceptable spiritual struggle. 
It's like one of those things that we look at and go, well, this is just me. This is something that I'm just going to have to deal with. And, and y'all, this is, this is sinful. It, it, we need to uh, pursue uh, getting rid of this sin in our life with the same intensity that we would pursue getting rid of any other sin in our life. We can't just sit by and go, oh, well, the consequences aren't as severe as whatever, so I'm not going to pursue it as much. This is sin, and we are way too comfortable struggling with it. Anxiety and fear and worry, just like all sins, were bled and died for on the cross of Christ. So we, we have to take it seriously. But I I believe this, that the greatest truth to counter the lies of anxiety and fear and worry is the truth that Jesus is a good shepherd, that Jesus is a good shepherd. If you don't hear anything else during our time together tonight, I want you to hear that, that Jesus is a good shepherd, which again, makes us sheep. And so uh, what I want to do tonight is I want you to notice three things from Psalm chapter 23. Three things, three very simple things that I truly believe uh, can get you to a place where you are no longer crippled by the weight of anxiety and worry. And so let's jump into Psalm chapter 23. I'm going to start reading to, uh, to us today in verse 1. Let's start together in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now let's stop right there. So the first thing that I want you to see tonight through uh, that little section of verses is this. I want you to see the role of the shepherd. The role of the shepherd. Here in these verses, it doesn't take like a, a Bible scholar or a theologian to pick out from those verses what the role of the shepherd is. It's very clear. David writes it. He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. All of these things, the, this is the role of the shepherd. And I don't know how that comes across to you, but I would imagine for many of you here in this room, you hear that maybe you're new to Christianity and you go, yeah, that doesn't sound too enticing to me. Like somebody who makes me do something, I don't really think that that's anything that I want to be a part of. And in a lot of people's minds, that's what Christianity is, right? It's like, man, I don't want to be a part of Christianity because they're just a bunch of people who they they can't do what they want to do. They're made to do certain things and they're made to not do certain things. Like, I don't want any part of that. And to be honest with you, I might agree with you if it wasn't for verse 1. In verse 1, this, this entire passage, we find kind of the anchor point. And it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other translations would say things like, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, in Him I have all that I need. That completely changes the, the mentality behind, oh, I don't want to be led by anyone I don't want anyone to make me do anything. It completely changes it when you realize that what's going on is David is saying that uh, because we are sheep and, and we have a good shepherd, that he knows our needs better than we know our needs. Like, something that I've noticed is everybody, like, no one wants help until you get helpless. You ever thought about that? No one wants to accept help 
until they get to a place that they're helpless. My, uh, something that I've been like fascinated with recently is um, survival shows. You know, like drop a guy out in the wilderness and just see what happens. Like, there's a part of me that wants to know what would take place if it was me. And then there's a part of me that knows what would take place if it was me. I would die in like three days, probably, probably 24 hours. Um, but here's the thing. So, uh, a show that I have really gotten interested in lately is this show called Alone. The interesting, like, kind of unique thing about Alone, it's a Netflix show, um, there is, like, no deadline. Whereas all these other shows, they're like, all right, spend four days and then you did it. Like, for Alone, the game is this. Whoever can survive the longest wins. The only problem is you don't know how long any of the other people are making it. Like, you're on your own secluded area of land, and so all you have is a little phone uh, that's basically your tap-out phone. If you're ready to go, you press it. And what always happens at the end of this season is every single person will tap out. Now, obviously, there's, there's a winner because the person who stays the longest without knowing what the other people are doing, they win, but it never, it never fails. No one stays out there forever. Why? Because eventually, every single one of them gets helpless. And what happens when you get helpless is all of a sudden you want help. And so if we're in a place where we would go, man, that doesn't sound too good to me. Like, I don't want to follow someone who's going to make me do something. The thing that I think would change that is if you realize how helpless you were. Like if you got to a place that you realize, man, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. He is my good shepherd, which means he knows my needs. I don't know my needs. We have to get to that place if we, if we can get to a place that we can trust him, that we submit to his leadership. While we have a shepherd whose primary role is to meet our needs, something that uh, sheep are notorious for is um, they have a tendency to think that they know what's best. Sound familiar? I, I know it does for me. Uh, and that's why in this passage you see uh, David write, he leads me beside still waters. It's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but sheep, uh, one reason that, um, that David writes that is because sheep become enamored with like ripples and rapids in the water. They think that they're like awesome and they want to play with them and jump in them and all that different stuff. And so if a sheep were to walk up on like the Chattahoochee um, without a shepherd, what would likely happen is they would walk out to a rapid and um, our friend Chris, y'all remember him? Chris, rest in peace. Um, Chris, he, he, would, he would struggle because a sheep's wool absorbs about one third of its own weight. Sheep are literally giant sponges. So if they walk into water, they're going downstream and they're never coming back. You get what I'm saying? And so that's why David says here uh, that he leads us beside still waters. Because left to their own selves, if they're left to try to find their own water, sheep will inevitably drink from something that will kill them. Again, sound familiar? I mean, again, I know that it's true of me. It's often that we try to assume the role of shepherd in our own life. And when that happens, when we become the one who we try to assume the role of shepherd in our own life, it's then that anxiety really begins to take root. 
And here's kind of how, how it happens. See, we, we look to deadly things as sources of life, just like the sheep with moving water. We look to, to things that will kill us as sources of life. We look to things like acceptance or affirmation from others, and we try to find life in that. We, we go, man, if I could just get that, that is what life is all about. I just need people to need me. I need people to want me. We, we look there. We might look to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And we might go, man, if I could just get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they would meet those needs that I have. Like, that's the well that we try to drink from. Maybe it's not either of those things. Maybe it's a job or a salary. Like, the well that you try to drink from is, is that you pursue money. You pursue uh, your, uh, an income to try to build up some sort of cushy savings for you to then live off of. Like, that's where you go for your source of life. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's drugs, but whatever it is, what we do is we look to those things to try to meet our needs, and every time, once you, once you take advantage of it, us trying to be our own shepherd, what happens? Emptiness. Anxiety begins to well up inside of us. It's why deep down, when you pursue those things, you are never satisfied, and you always have to go back for more. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it's a popular verse, um, but it's a scary verse. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Like, that terrifies me. I don't, I don't know about you guys. There's a way that appears to be right. Like, to us, it looks like, man, at the end of this road, there is nothing but life in all of its fullness. Like, I will find satisfaction. And if I get to the end of it, the thing that I will experience is death. It's, it's a scary thing. And, and I really think that uh, that is, is such a root cause of anxiety that what we start to do is we start to walk down that path and we're not trusting in the path that our shepherd wants to chart for us. It's his role to lead us in the right paths. And we'll never get our anxiety under control until we get to a place that we recognize that if Jesus is our shepherd... He knows our needs better than we do. This is who he is. Which means that if there's something that you can't live without, like something that you really desperately need in your life, your shepherd knows. And if you don't have it, that means you're on your way to getting it. Because there will never be a need in your life that Jesus, as your good shepherd, will not meet. That means if you're, if you're anxious about the fact that, man, I need a job, and I don't know how I'm going to get one, I, I, I feel like I have all this pressure, and, and you're anxious and worried, man, you have a good shepherd. And, and if that's something that you need, he's going to provide for it because it's who he is. That's his role. Maybe like, you know, you're in that place where you're like, I just need a spouse. Like, I, I need somebody, I'm about to be done with college. The, like, I've been looking and looking, and I can't find a boyfriend or a girlfriend in college, and, and Lord, I, like, I, I'm trying to do this the right way, but I'm about to just be on my own, and I don't know how I'm going to do it by myself, and it's making you anxious. You have a good shepherd who, who will not, not in the slightest bit, let a single thing move past you that you do not need. He will meet every need that you have. It also means that if, uh, if I feel like I need something that my shepherd deems unnecessary, then what I feel like I need, I'm better off not having at all. And I don't know about you, but that happened, that happened to me when I was uh, about y'all's age. I mean, like, 
I, I felt like I needed a plan. Like, Lord, I'm trying to do things the right way in my life. Like, I need to know what to major in. I need to know what to do. I need this plan. And to be honest with you, I, I thought I needed a plan. But what happened was the Lord revealed to me that he's in control of what I need, not me. If we get to a place that we feel like we're in need of something that our shepherd deems unnecessary, then what we feel like we needed, we're better off not having it all. That's the role of our shepherd. Let's move on. I, I want to read, uh, read the next verse for us. Something else that I want you to notice from this passage today. Famous verse here, verse 4. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The second thing that I want you to see tonight uh, is this. I want you to see the response of the sheep. We looked at the role of the shepherd, but now I want you to see the response of the sheep. And, and I really believe that if there, is a, if, if there is a cure for anxiety and worry, it's found right here in the response of the sheep. And, and I just want to tell you from the get-go, the response of the sheep is simple. Trust the shepherd. Trust the shepherd. Let me, let me explain that, because I'm telling you, if you can grasp this, there is no way that you can live a life plagued with anxiety. There's no way. So every single person on the planet, every single one, trusts in something to get them somewhere. We have to start there. Every single person on the planet trusts in something to get them somewhere. For some people, they trust in a job to get them to a place of wealth. Some people, they trust in a relationship to get them to a place of happiness. Some people uh, trust in themselves to get them to a place of satisfaction. Whatever it is, every single person at all times trusts in something. To which you might go, well, what about people who don't trust in anything? Like the ones who, they trust in, like, they, they believe in fate. They believe whatever happens, happens. Even those people, they trust in fate. They trust in the fact, like they put their trust in the fact that whatever happens, happens. They trust in fate to get them somewhere. Every single person trusts in something to get them somewhere. Now, anxiety takes place when a sheep trusts in anything other than a shepherd to meet their needs. That's when anxiety takes place, when a sheep trusts in anything other than a shepherd to meet their needs. Now, let's just remove like the, you know, the spiritual illusion from that. That's just true, right? Like a sheep that doesn't trust in a shepherd has every reason to be anxious. Why? Because sheep are like nature's victim. Right? I mean, like, they have, they have no defense mechanisms, no way to protect themselves. A sheep that does not, that trusts in anything other than a shepherd has every reason to be anxious. And so it is with us. If we place our trust in anything other than our good shepherd, man, we have every reason to be anxious. I, no wonder we're freaking out. It, it makes perfect sense. And at the root of your anxiety... There is always something that can be traced back to the fact that you are trusting in something that is not Jesus. Every time. 
at the root of your anxiety, you can trace it back to the fact that you are trusting in something that is not your shepherd. It could be yourself. It could be a job. It could be another person. But at the root of it, you are trusting in something that is not your shepherd. And yeah, you have every reason to be anxious if that's the case. Do you ever notice, though, that trust and proximity go hand in hand? You ever see that like in a, in a little kid? They walk into a room for the first time and, and they're nervous, they're shy, they're scared. What do they do? They go hide behind mom or dad. They grab onto their leg, hide behind, you know, because they're, they're shy. They don't want to be a part of something new. Trust and proximity go hand in hand. The reason they do that is because they trust mom or dad. I, I, I really believe uh, that we see this all over. Uh, but, but we might miss it a lot of the times. So something that we do every summer uh, as a college ministry, if you're around during the summer, uh, is we go and we do this camping and whitewater rafting trip. And it's a blast. It's so much fun. We go and raft the Ocoee up in Tennessee, and then we go camp out afterwards. And um, myself and this group of guys have uh, kind of kept our raft for the same year, uh, this, you know, for the past few years. And uh, we try to get together because there's one guide that we just think is the greatest raft guide on the planet, and his name is David, okay? David is the man. Let me tell you why David's the man. Because David has been down the Ocoee over a thousand times. Like, he has been doing this for 14 years, three trips a day. I mean, it's crazy. He knows the river like the back of its hand. He could do it blindfolded. And we love to go uh, raft with David specifically because we trust David. Because David, uh, he... He's a little crazy, all right? Like, he's going to get us down the river, but he's going to do so in style. Like, the, the way that this typically works is this. At the beginning of a rapid, like, we're pulling up onto it, and he's like, all right, y'all, this is Diamond Splitter. Everybody, let's get together. Let's talk. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, you guys are going to start left, you know, two strokes, uh, and we're going to bounce off this rock we're going to spin around twice. We're going to get to the bottom of the rapid. We're going to hit it sideways. I'm going to grab this strap and yank it over, and we're all going to flip out of the boat, and we're going to be just fine. That's David. A little team huddle before every rapid. You know what we don't do when David, like, coaches us up? We don't hear him and, like, all right, ready, break. And then everybody jumps out of the boat and does what he says to do in the water by ourselves. You know why we don't do that? Because diamond splitter would split us. It would be a bad day. We trust David, so we stay close to David. Trust and proximity always go hand in hand. And here's the thing. A sheep who trusts in the shepherd always maintains proximity to the shepherd. And so if you say that you trust Jesus, but you find yourself far from him, like, like you're anxious all the time, and you would go, yeah, I trust Jesus, but, but your life doesn't show it. Like you don't make any effort to spend time with him. You don't make any effort to get plugged into a church. You don't make any effort to get close to him. Something's not lining up. Like it's probably a good indicator that you don't actually trust him, even though you might say so with your words. And this is our role as a sheep. Stay close to the shepherd. Trust him. And, and it's crazy. It's freeing how simple our job is. It's so freeing. 
This truth was huge for me when I was in all of your stage of life. Uh, whenever I was a college student or really just kind of a, a freshman in college, I, I think is when kind of all of this went down. But I remember for me, I used to spend so much time uh, worrying about my future. Like that was what it was for me. Like, Lord, I, I am worried and anxious because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Like I, at the time, I kind of felt called to ministry, but I had no clue how to get there. Didn't know what I wanted to major in, all this different stuff. And so I would always ask, like, what am I going to do with my life? What school am I going to attend? What am I going to major in? And, and I'm telling you, I would work nonstop to try to figure it out. I would ask every person that I could, like, hey, what do you, you, know, what do you think I should major in? Do you think that this would help, this would help? Uh, like, I, I'm telling you, nonstop, I, I was anxious and I was going and trying to do everything that I could, trusting in myself to figure out what the path is, what, what plan I had, to, I had to make. And I'll never forget the weight that was lifted off my shoulders when I came across this passage, the one that we're looking at tonight, Psalm 23. This passage was pivotal for me in my relationship with the Lord. I've been so excited to preach it to you tonight. It was pivotal. Like, I will never forget this weight that was lifted off my shoulders when one day I, I read this passage and it, like, I came to the realization that I was putting my trust not in my shepherd, but in me. And here I am trying to figure out my own way. I'm trying to chart my own path. I'm trying to direct my own life. And it just all clicked when I realized Jesus knows the right paths. He knows where the water is. I don't have to figure it out for myself. He knows where the, the predators are, like the, the, all of the dangers that, that might uh, come up against me. He can see so much more than I can see. And so what, it, what it's not my job to do is to control my own life. It's not my job to make sure that things work out the way that I want them to. It's not my job to go, man, these are all the things that I have to do. I have to uh, decide what I want to do when I grow up. I have to decide uh, like what program I'm going to apply for. I, I can't miss like whatever opportunity it is because I might ruin my chance to do this thing. Like It's not my job to do any of that. The only thing that it is my job to do is go, can I see Jesus? Can I, can I see his face and can I hear his voice? Because if I trust in him, I maintain proximity to him. I'm telling y'all, if, if you can come to a grip on that reality, it will get rid of every weight of anxiety that you have experienced if you can trust in your shepherd. That's why in this verse, David can say that even in the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't experience worry or anxiety. He experiences comfort. Because he trusts in his shepherd. One last truth I want you to see through this passage tonight. Let's read in verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Cool thing about this psalm. Uh, this psalm is actually uh, really prophetic. Uh, and a few of the psalms that are in this neighborhood, 22, very prophetic, 24, very prophetic, but specifically 23, because what it does is it, it points to Jesus. It, it points straight to Jesus at this point in time. This is the Old Testament. Jesus had not come onto the scene yet. And, and so this psalm points towards him. And what I want us to see, I'll, I'll explain that, but I, what I want us to see in this last little, little truth is this. We talked about the... Uh, we talked about the role of the shepherd, 
We talked about the response of the sheep. And finally, I want us to see this, the reality of the flock. The reality of the flock. The cure for anxiety is not just trusting in your shepherd for this life. It's trusting in him for the life to come. In this world, we will have trouble. It is unescapable because of sin. John chapter 16, verse 33 tells us that in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We have a shepherd, though, who who has gone before us and prepared a place of life for us. He has prepared a table for us to experience fullness of life in the middle of a sinful world. It's this incredible truth. It points directly to Jesus. And so when David writes about a table that is prepared in the presence of our enemies, many scholars think that, that he is alluding to something that, shepherd, that shepherds would often do uh, kind of in the late winter months preparing for spring. So what would take place in the late winter months, the sheep were kind of, you know, hunkered down for the winter and the shepherd would start to take some trips up to uh, some mountaintop fields and grasslands that were often referred to as tablelands. You might have also heard them referred to as like mesas, plateaus, things like that. Oftentimes, these are referred to as tablelands. And what the shepherd would do in the late winter months is they would have to make trips up to the tablelands to prepare the land for the sheep's arrival. They, they would have to go and they would do all of these different things. They would have to um, put salt and like special minerals down in strategic spots around the tablelands. Uh, it's kind of worked like a fertilizer to grow healthy grass for the sheep to graze. Uh, the shepherds would have to decide on camp spots. They'd have to figure out where are uh, the sheep going to sleep. Uh, they'd have to figure out like what's the best bed ground for the sheep because they have to be comfortable when they lay down or there's a whole bunch of issues that will come up uh, because they're sheep. Uh, they, the shepherd would have to go and determine which areas can be grazed more heavily than other areas. They would have to go and check for poisonous weeds. Because if, if the sheep are allowed to go and graze and there's weeds inside of the grass that could kill sheep, the, the shepherd has to go through and, and pick all these things and, and clean it up so that the sheep can graze, uh, you know, it, like with freedom, that they can go and, and eat the grass and not have to worry about anything. Now, at this point, you're probably like, Logan, you know a lot about shepherding. I know. I read a book on it. I read this book. It's really cool. Um, it was, it's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And uh, it's by a guy named Philip Keller, and uh, he, he wrote about all of that that I just said, and I wanted to read you this last little part. Um, he he kind of summarizes this thing that he would have to do, um, you know, in, in preparation for the sheep to go to the tablelands. He says this, he says, though tedious and tiring with all of the bending, talking about bending down to pick those poisonous weeds. Though tedious and tiring with all of the bending, it was a case of preparing the table in the presence of my enemies. And if my sheep were to survive, it simply had to be done. He goes on to write that like this job of preparing the table lands was one of the most taxing jobs on the shepherd for the entire year. Like it was something that he never looked forward to doing, but he knew that he had to do it because if his sheep were going to survive, it simply had to be done. 
I don't know if those words sound familiar to you, but there's a, there's a point in the Gospels where Jesus says something very similar. He says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way that this can be, that this can be accomplished, this work of redeeming my people, my sheep to myself, if there's any other way for that to be accomplished, let it pass from me. But if it means that my sheep get to experience life, I will do what has to be done. And so in the same way, at great personal cost to our shepherd, Jesus ascended the hill of Calvary. And he paid a price for his sheep. And man, there's this verse in John chapter 10, verse 11, that that is crazy to me. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, out of everything that we've heard about shepherds and sheep, if that's not the craziest thing, that a shepherd, the one who knows everything, who meets all needs, would step down into a place of humility that he would put his life on the line for insignificant, helpless sheep. That is mind-blowing. We have a shepherd who has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I want to invite the, the band to come up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here with this point. Um, but, but man, I, I think this is such a crazy reality. That in this life where we experience sin and, and death, we have a shepherd in Jesus, that has gone to prepare a place for us. He, he went to the cross. He gave his life so that we could experience fullness of life in this life, but so that we could also experience eternity with him. And when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to the fact that, man, we, we, we're worried and afraid, when we get to, a, to that place, we must know that we have a shepherd who's gone to prepare a place for us. And while this life might take place in the, in the presence of our enemies with trouble on every side, we might experience a difficulty in this life because of sin. We have a life that is coming one day if we place our faith in our shepherd. There is a life coming one day where there is no pain, where there is no presence of sin. And we get to spend eternity not just having to follow our shepherd, but sitting in the presence of our shepherd forever. It's this incredible reality. We don't have to live life today plagued by anxiety and worry because we have a future hope of something better, something that came at a great personal cost to our shepherd. And so tonight, I don't know where you're at with, with your relationship with the Lord. But each and every one of us, for each and every one of us, that offer is on the table. That if we've not made the decision to place our trust in our shepherd, to place our faith in Jesus, to trust in the work that he accomplished for us on the cross, if we've not made that decision, the opportunity is on the table tonight. For, for you to place your faith in him and experience the fullness of life that he talks about. 
And so here in just a moment, we're, we're going to stand and sing. And I, man, if you've never made that decision, I would invite you to step off to the side. I'll be kind of over uh, back behind that little bar area. And I would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. But many of you have made that decision. And many of you, uh, man, you, you still live under that, that weight of anxiety and fear. And maybe for you tonight, you're, you're, the challenge that I would make to you is to spend some time in prayer over this next song. And for the first time, maybe in a long time, spend some time praying and, and get back in step with the shepherd. C- commit to proximity. Commit to seeing his face and hearing his voice. Get back to a place where you trust in him because you know that he knows your needs better than you. And I'm telling you, Jesus, he he has made a way for us to not experience life weighed down by anxiety and worry. That life is available. Even though culture may tell you it's not, Jesus has said in his word that that life, life to the full, is available for each and every one of us. The question is, are you going to take it? Let me invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for us and then... I want you to respond as you feel led. Father, we love you. We trust you. And Lord, we're so thankful that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you know our needs better than we do. Lord, thank you that you provide for us. I pray, God, that you would, uh, that in this moment you would convict hearts, that if there are people in this room who don't have a relationship with you, God, that they would nail that down before they leave today. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen.